Well, good morning and welcome to Barrel Life Church. Come on, you're excited to be here this morning. You got to make a little bit of noise. Come on, you're excited to be here. Man, it's so good to see you guys. It's a brand new year, brand new series. I'm telling you, I'm really excited about this series. I'm also really excited that we're broadcasting this all the way to Grayson and our Grayson campus. Come on, can we get it for our Grayson campus? We love you guys. What God is doing in that area, in that region is, is unbelievable. Also want to welcome Arabella Lon watching at home and across the world. Before we jump into everything, I just wanted to kind of uh, bring to close last year, we, we did a year-end offering. If you're a part of that, we do that every year. We look for organizations and missions and uh, uh, places to help. There's a lot of local organizations, obviously because of the coronavirus got hit very hard. And when you're a nonprofit organization, you depend on people to, to be generous and to give to them. Everyone didn't know what to expect. So we, we, we studied those, those companies. We looked at those missions. And we said, hey, let us be the church that fills in the gap. Let us be the ones that help them. And on your generosity, I'm telling you, it was amazing. It was able to help hundreds and thousands of people. Literally, I'm telling you, amazing what you guys did. And, and last year, and year in offering, uh, because of your generosity, we took over $75,000. Is that not amazing? That was just unreal, y'all. And we was helping people in all different organizations, and actually, they're going to be on our annual report uh, that will be coming out towards the end of the month. And so, if that's something you want to take a look at, what the uh, the missions that we 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 minister to, that we were able to help and give supplies to. But one of the one of the ones I just want to highlight real quick is called Jesus and Jam. I know it's it's one or more in the United States. Actually, it's down in Georgia, and it's in an impoverished area that reaches people in the inner city around Atlanta and places like that. And uh, we got this connection, this, this, the guy who started the ministry started Googling, he was struggling with anxiety, and he Googled anxiety, and one of the first sermons that came up on anxiety, he said, was a sermon from Better Life Church, and he began to watch it, and he talked about how to radically change his life, and so he began to follow us online, watch us online, started a watch party in Atlanta, created some ministry called Jesus and Jam to reach inner city uh, kids who are impoverished, and I just wanna let you know, because of your generosity, we were able to, at the year end, send them a check, and they didn't know it was coming. They had no idea whether we were gonna do this. And we were able to give 400 kids a Bible, a blanket, and a Christmas gift. Is that not amazing through your generosity? I'm not an English person, but it gets gooder. We was also able to feed over 1,000 families who were gonna go without a meal over the holiday because of your generosity, folks. Come on now, is that amazing what God is doing right here from Kentucky? I'm telling you, reaching and changing the world, and I'm so excited about that. You guys and our church has always been extremely generous church and blessed people and ministries, and I'm telling you what, I'm so proud uh, to be your pastor. This is a new year, and I'm not gonna stand up here and have any predictions for this year. Can I get a witness, right? You can't predict, right? I mean, you have no idea what this year holds, and since we don't know what this year holds, and anybody who stands up and says, this is gonna be the year of, has no clue, man. I mean, they have no idea, so what do we do? What do we do when we're uncertain? What do we do when we just don't know? Well, let's go back to what we do know. We know that this word is true. We know that this word can be trusted. And so we're going to stand on the promises of God. We can stand on his promises because he is faithful. So what we do know for sure is that God's word is true and that God is faithful. In fact, 2 Corinthians 1 says this, for all of God's promises, all of his promises, have been fulfilled in Christ. God's like, as surely as I say this, so has all been fulfilled in my Christ, which is a resounding yes through Christ, our amen. Maybe your translation says all God's promises are yes and amen, and they all ascend to the glory of God. 
You know, I was researching, I came across a guy named Everett Storms. And this guy named Everett Storms decided that he was gonna continue to read through the Bible over and over and over. He read through the Bible 26 times from front to cover, and I mean, from cover to cover. And on the 27th time, he decided to take his time. It took him almost two years to read through the entire Bible. And normally it doesn't take that long. In fact, you can very easily read through the Bible in a year. But for him, he wanted to take his time. And he counted every single promises that were in the entire Bible that God made to mankind, that God made to humanity. And he came up with 7,487 promises that God has made to us. I want you to imagine that. So when you, when you flip through your Bible, there's over 7,487 promises that God gives to us waiting for us just to claim them. They're true, whether we wanna believe they're true or not. And that would be a long, long series, wouldn't it? We're gonna have the next 7,478 Sundays. We're gonna go through all the promises of God. Like, who's signing up for that series? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that is a lot of promises. So for the next few Sundays, we're gonna take some of those promises, stand on those promises, because that's what we can hold, and that's what we know for sure. Because when it comes to God's promises, we are who he says we are, we have what he says we have, and we can do whatever he enables us to do. We just have to believe the promises of God, and that's what we're gonna do, just like the good old hymn that you just heard, Standing on the Promises. So we called this series Still Standing because God's church is still standing. Why? Because this church and his church is built on his word, which is the promises of God. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm gonna look at a couple of verses here. We're gonna walk through these, uh, talk about them a little bit, and, and hopefully in this passage, you will, you will grab onto this promise and that you will hold onto this promise because I'm telling you, this promise will make us better. In fact, everyone is looking for something better, right? Think about it. We're kicking off a new year, everyone wants something better. They want a better job. You don't have to raise your hand because you may be sitting here with your coworkers, all right? You want a better job. You want a better marriage. You wish your marriage would be better. You want better finances. You wish that this would be the year that you pay off your debt. You want better relationships. You hope this would be the year that your relationships grow. You want a better self. Therefore, you die, you exercise, you're trying to get healthy, you're trying to look better. Something, everyone is trying to get better and everybody wants something better. No matter who you talk to, there's always something they're looking for to be and make themselves better. In fact, most of your New Year's resolutions or goals, if you wanna call them goals, are usually made around the thought of getting better, right? I wanna get better at, and then you fill in the blank, eating, counting calories, not eating more, eating less sugar, go on, that I'm gonna do this with my finance, get on a budget, whatever. Like, you want to get better. And most of our goals or resolutions are external focused, right? They're on the externals, not the internals. More on that just in a second. But what about the internal goals? Like no one probably sits down, of course I haven't personally seen all your New Year's resolutions, but no one probably sits down and writes, this year I wanna be more patient. I wanna be slow to anger because I have a hot temper. Like is that the goals of the internal ones? Right? I wanna be a better spouse. How can I be a better husband, better wife? this year, a better parent. See, we always focus on the external, not the internal. How can I be a better Christian? Most of us want to be a better Christian, right? I mean, there's probably none of you here who goes, I've already arrived and I'm the best Christian there is. If you are, please stand up. We wanna learn from you, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, no one said, I wonder if you wrote that. This year, I wanna be a better Christian. I wanna be a better follower of Jesus. Like, what does that even look like? How do you become better? And how do you become a better Christian? Because if you're like me, and most of us, we, we go through these seasons, if you're like me, that you try to strive to be better, then what happens? You fall. 
You set all these goals and all these resolutions, and by week two, you bring back out the Oreos. Can I get a witness? Right? You said, nah, I, I, I want some bread. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you, you fall back, or maybe for you, when you're trying to become a better Christian, you realize I slipped up and I said that again, or I looked at it again, or I did that again, or I yelled at them again, or I thought that again, and you're like, there's no way I can get better. And what happens, we begin to fall, and when we fall, then it's just like a domino effect. We can walk through, just quit going to church, quit reading our Bible. We step out and quit serving. We stop giving. We only pray if something really tragically bad happens in our life. And the reason that it's built on is because I'm just not good enough. I'll never be. I'll never be a better Christian. I always mess up. I always mistake. I always sin. Or I always, and you fill in the blank. And if that's you and you've always tried to get better than you fail, or you say, I'm gonna read my Bible through the year and you begin and then you get to Leviticus, you're like, I'm done with this. It's over, man. It is like so over. I don't even know where to go from here. And then you quit. And the next thing you know, a few weeks go by and you're like, I quit reading my Bible. And then you beat yourself up. You allow the enemy to beat you up because you're not good enough. So how do you get better? And that's you. I hope today, if that's you, that this message will encourage you and bring you hope that you can get better, that you will get better. And hopefully this will encourage you. So if you're ready to get started, say, let's go. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read the first two verses here, 23 and 24, and then we'll break them down and talk about them together. Verse 23. Now, may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body be kept blameless until the day the Lord Jesus comes back again, when he comes back to get his church. God will make this, see, here's the promise, God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. Now, what I wanna do, just I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk us through this verse because what God is trying to say here, God says, I'm gonna make you better. I am going to, your translation may say, sanctify you. That's a big theological term called sanctification where God takes you from who you are and makes you and transforms you and conforms you into the image of his son. That is gonna be the lifelong process for all of us. This is where God makes you holy. This is where God makes you better. Now, I know some of you right now, if I ask you, do you feel like a saint? You'd be like, no, you don't know what I did on New Year's Eve. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't really feel saint-like. Like, how many of you feel holy this morning? You would say, I feel so holy. Like, God is, like, sanctifying me. God is working to me, and I'm just so holy. How many of you feel like I'm just so pure? Like, I have a pure heart, a pure motive, a pure mouth, pure, and my thoughts are pure. Like, I am just so pure. You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe you're going through that. Maybe you feel like, I'm, I'm, that's you. But for the most of us, we would probably say, I really don't feel like a saint. And I really don't feel too holy. And I really, you know, don't feel like, like I'm pure. And for most people, that holds them back from growing and progressing in their spiritual walk with the Lord. But the good news is this year, God is gonna be working in you. The good news is there is that he will make this happen because he is faithful and his promises are true. So how does God do this? So let's go back. Let's look at verse 23. I'm gonna walk you through this section by section. Let's walk in this. Verse 23, at the beginning of it says this. Now may the God of peace, watch this, make you, make you. The God of peace, make you. Listen to me. Only God can make you better. Only God can make you be a better spouse. 
Only God can, the things that you want to control inside can help you with your temper. Only God can help you be more patient. All these resolutions and goals which are trying to get better and all these habits we form, and that's great, that's awesome, there's nothing wrong with having goals, but you gotta understand, when it comes to your character, only God can make you better. You can't will it, you try it, you can try as hard as you can, I'm gonna read, and I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna read my, and at the end of the day, only God can make you better. God will make you, it says. He is the one. See, that's the, we, we, we mess up right there. We try to do it ourselves. We thought if I could just pray more, give more, serve more, do more, show up more, whatever it may be, then I will get better. You try to do it on your own, and then when you fall, guess what happens? You give up. But you gotta realize the promises are not on your efforts. The promise is not on, on what you try. The promise is on that God will make you better, that God will do this. Like when you fight your battles, you try to do it in your own strength, and God says, listen, I'm the one who fights your battles. I'm the one that wants you to do this. If you want to be strong, you have to do it through me. Jesus clearly says in John 15, five, he clearly says this, apart from me, you can do nothing. Like I wonder how many of your goals and resolutions and plans are the ones you prayed through. God, what do you wanna do in 2021? God, what do you wanna do in my life? God, what areas do I need to get better in? Or immediately we start looking at what everybody else is doing and get to the fat and it says, you know what? If they're doing it, I should. If that happens, then it goes like this. And say, God, what do you want for me? What do you want for my family? What do I need to work on in my own life? What are you doing in me? In me. See, a lot of it's more external, not internal focus. And then he goes on and says this. Look what he says, verse 23. Now may the God of peace make you, make you what? Make you holy. There it is. God wants to sanctify you. God wants to make you pure. He wants to make you holy. Watch this in every single way. You see, it says it's, he's the God of peace. Now in the Greek New Testament, the, the, the Greek there is when every time the Greeks wrote the word peace, it was, it was, it's more political. It's more of a war between countries or between nations. And so when he says there's, he's the God of peace, we automatically think he's trying not to create war. He wants to break apart the war. He wants to bring unity. He wants to bring peace. But when you look at the Hebrew behind that, the shalom is where they would translate this from. It's way more deeper than just a, a political war trying to create peace. God wants peace in your heart, in your spirit, in your soul, in your body, in your mind. He wants the holistic of all of you to be at peace and at rest because your flesh is waging war against your body. I know that. It's against you. Not only do you have the enemy against you, the world's against you, your flesh, is your sinful nature is against you and will do everything they can to help you and cause you to stumble. That's just how life will go. And he says, but I want to make you holy in every way. Holy from the start to beginning. Now, how does God do that? I, I, I mean, come on, I, I doubt it. You, you may be able to prove me wrong, and that's okay. I, that's all right. I doubt you probably says, this is the year I want to be more holy. <laughs> like, that's my goal this year. Like, I just want to be holier. I want to be pure. I want to have clean hands and a clean heart and a clean conscience and a, a clear mind. And I want to be pure in my thinking and pure in my words and pure in my actions. Like, how many of you wrote that down? God, I want to be what you want me to be because you said, you've. in fact, it's a command. God has commanded you to be holy because he is holy. 
So what do you mean in every way? It actually means to the completion. It means to the end. All the way to the end, God in every way will sanctify you. It's a very long process and a very rest of your life where God will make you more like Jesus in every single way. Now, there's several ways, and let me just give you a couple real quick. Several things when it comes to holiness. One, there's the positional holiness. And what I mean when I say positional holiness, that means on September the 2nd, 1997, when I gave my life to Jesus and I repented of my sin and God forgave me of all my sin, at that very moment, God took me from the world, from creation, basically, and placed me and adopted me into his family. He has plucked me out of the wickedness, out of the muck, out of the mire, out of the sin, and he's adopted me, signed the papers, irrevocable, cannot be erased, name written in the Lamb's book of life, never to be ever blotted out, adopted into his family. And because of that, I am now positionally in the family, and I am holy, not because of my goodness, not because of my deeds, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for me, because his blood covers all my sins, and that should give you shouting noise. Can I get an amen? So positionally, I'm holy. Positionally. In Christ, in the family, in the church of God, I am positionally in his family, been adopted as sons and daughters. And if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are positionally placed in the family and are holy. Because it's the blood of Christ that constantly cleanses us from our unrighteousness. So I am positionally in Christ, and I am holy. Now, you would probably theologically say, okay, okay, I got that, I get that. But how do you, and that's this, another part of holiness, is the practical holiness. How do, you practically, or how do you practically walk out holiness in your life? Right? How, how, do, how, do, you, how do you do that? How, am I, how is God making me holy practically? Like, now that comes to my daily living, how do I live now on earth? I'm positionally in Christ, but how do I live out and practice this holiness? And then someday, because this word, when it says in every way, it's the start, the middle, and the beginning. And the start, positionally, I've been placed in the family, which makes me holy, which means, fancy word, it means to be set apart. That's all that holiness means, that you are set apart, that you are different. God took you, set you out of the world, set you apart into his family. Now, as you live today, you're to be set apart from the world and you live differently. You don't talk like the world. You don't act like the world. You don't walk as in the world. You're in the world to witness to the world, but you're apart from the world. That's practical holiness. He has set you apart. We as Christians are peculiar. This is not our home. We should look strange to this world because this is not our home. So we practice holiness. We practice the things of God. And then at the end, complete perfection will be perfected holiness. That's when you will be perfected. Like you will sin no more. What a day that will be. When we will sin no more. And yet, Crazy thing is, we are not there yet. And what do you do? You know, I don't know about you. Um, COVID hit, and, and we shut everything down back in March. And as soon as everything shut down, we decided as a family that we just going to cut all of our cable off. Like, I mean, we've had cable. We're not really big TV watchers anyway. But in our family, we decided here we're going to be at home. Everything shut down. You're, and we just 
cut the cable off. And like, let's just, like, we're at home now. That's when we should be watching TV, right? Like, what are you going to do there? Let's just see what's on the news. Let's see what happens next. Let's see what, what where is it at? And they come up with anything. And what are they going to say? So we decided just to cut it off. So we called DirecTV, cut all the cable off, cut everything off. And we said, we're just going, now we just kind of looked at each other and said, now what? <laughs> what do we do? But one of the shows that my wife and I, we love to watch all the time was Love It or List It. Anybody seen that show on HGTV? Love It or List It? Anyway, basically it was people wanted to move out of their home and uh, they, Part of the TV reality show, you know how it goes. You come in, somebody would renovate the home, and as they renovate it, you had to make a decision. Are you gonna love your home and stay in it, or are you gonna list it and sell it and move? It's kind of like, I don't know, the fixer-uppers, right? The flippers, and you go in and they tear down walls, and if you watch that, my wife and I, we love watching that, and they, take, they find these distressed property. They find these abandoned properties, and, and they say, let's buy it, and they buy it for pennies on the dollars, and they fix it, and they make it up, and they flip it, try to make a profit. We liked watching that stuff, and we'd get ideas and think about, oh, that, yeah, that would be cool if we remodeled. Oh, that'd be good if you ever build it. Hey, that would be, and so we took all these lists of stuff. But you know what? Every single one of these episodes are exactly the same. It doesn't matter any, I don't care what you call it, fixer-uppers or, or love it or list it, they're all the same. They go in and they begin to tear out a wall. And as soon as they tear out a wall, if you've ever done any renovation before or any time in your life, guess what happens? You find something else to fix. You know what I'm saying? And so, and they cut you off right there, right? They tear a wall out and their face goes, ah! And then it goes to commercial. You're like, really? Really? Like now as you have the commercial in, right? And all of a sudden it comes back and guess what? They find cracks. They find mold. Oh my gosh. And now it's moldy. And it always costs them more. And as they tear it all down, they realize there's things in their life underneath the surface that needed to be fixed. There's things that were moldy. There were things that were growing in darkness, that were growing in secret, that they did not know behind the walls. Behind the paint, everything looks good on the front side, but on the back side, guess what happened? There are problems and there are cracks. Listen to me, folks. All of us are under renovation. All of us are still under construction. And if you peeled it all back and you got to look into the heart, God wants to look at the cracks, at the moldy area, the things that no one sees, the deep and darkest secrets of your life and says, let's work on that right there. That's what's gonna make you holy. That's what's gonna clean your mouth up. That's what's gonna make you a better husband. That's what's gonna be to be more patient with your children. That right there is gonna get rid of your critical tongue, your lying mouth. Let's go back and work on the deep crevices that no one sees in your life. You can put it on on the outside, but boy, when you open it up on the inside, I'm still under renovation. I'm still under construction. Every single one of us. And it's with that that God says, I'm going to promise you that I will make you better, that I'm going to renovate you. As the good old song says, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Praise God, I'm not who I used to be. But praise God, I'm not who I'm going to be yet either. Someday I will be like Christ. Someday we will have the perfection of holiness. We're just not there yet. Why? Because we are still under construction. And that's the hardest part as we walk through this. And God begins to renovate our heart, our life, and our soul and bring all this muck and this mire out of our lives. Why? So that we be pure and that we'll be holy that will be more like Christ. So when the world looks at you different, you look different, you act different, you walk different, you talk different, you behave differently. Why? Because Christ is in us. And that's what God wants to do in your life is to make you holy. And he promised you this, because some of you right now, you don't feel holy. 
Some of us don't feel saint-like. I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna be honest, even this morning, where I'm coming out of the house and we're in a hurry, and, my, and my, my youngest son, Jake, he spills this whole big glass of milk all over, the, all over the countertop. I mean, every sucker, every iPhone, every headset, everything. I mean, all the Christmas stuff that we haven't put away yet, everything's all over this. And I'm like, I'm not even have breakfast yet, Jake. I gotta go, and I didn't feel real holy. And now I've got paper towels and I've got milk and I'm holding up the checkbook and the checkbook's got milk all over it. I'm throwing it down here. I'm like, we gotta clean this place. And I looked at the stuff and says, why don't you clean it? I didn't feel too holy. And I said, Daniel, what's the big deal? Calm down. It's okay if you're late. You're late if it's a little bit of milk. Was it? And then I said, okay, now that just took time and we just, again, he's still working on me. And all of a sudden you feel and you say, I felt as a parent or as I felt as a, uh, as a spouse or I felt as a, a friend or employee and you realize, oh, I just can't live this. And God's like, right, you can't. I'm the one that does it. Just allow me and believe and claim the promise. And that's what we have to do because I'll tell you one thing you will do this year. You will blow it. You will sin. You will mess up. and You will make a mistake. Write it down. It's coming. Welcome to Better Life Church. Way to start off your first new Sunday at church. You're going to mess up this year. Right? Because he's still working on you. And he goes on and says this. He says, and may your whole, not part, your whole spirit, your whole soul and body. That's a whole nother sermon we can get to how God, our spirit and our soul and the body. And what is that? And what does that look like? But basically the completion of the wholeness of you as a person. See, God wants to make all your areas whole. He wants to make all your life holy. In fact, I would probably go on to say this, that when part of it's not, it's all of it's messed up. Right? So we want to go and we say, hey, you know, I'm good here, but I'm not good at home. Or I'm good here, but I'm not good at work. I'm good here, but I'm not good in that area. He wants the wholeness to complete every single part of your body made perfect. Every single part of your mind, your soul, psychologically, spiritually, your soul, your heart, everything, who you are as a complete human being, he wants to perfect you. And listen to me, it'll take the rest of your life. We can swing the ax, set the goals, and most of us, right, New Year's resolutions, they're mostly outward. I wanna be skinnier, I wanna be taller, I wanna be shorter, think about these things. I wanna be better looking, I wanna work on this, I wanna get rid of the wrinkles. And we all focus on the external, what people may see and think about us. But most people never look on the inside and say, God, this is a year that you're gonna pull back the crevices of my heart and you're gonna renovate and get behind the places in my heart that's moldy, that needs to be cleansed, that needs something to be done in my life and in my impatient spirit or my critical tongue or my envious heart or the lingering resentment towards people who've hurt you and wronged you. Or the guilty conscience that you carried with you that you thought when you woke up on 2021, and I was hoping we woke up and just be like a bad dream, right? And this all just went away. But now that guilty conscience still carries with you into the new year. The quick temper you still had that you thought you were gonna get rid of. The ungrateful attitude because you didn't get what you wanted around the holidays or getting to do what you wanted. The lying and gossiping mouth. God, peel back the crevices and let's work on that and make me holy. And the good news is, because of Jesus, you can. You can change. You could be transformed. It's slow, but God's promises are true. And he promised someday 
you will get better. Now, look what it says, verse 23, the whole verse. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Every way, positionally, practically, and eventually perfected. Watch this. That your whole spirit and your soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. See, God wants to keep us blameless. Not perfect, but blameless. Because we'll mess up. None of us are imperfect. Like, none of us are perfect. We're all imperfect. Could you imagine we're standing there one day and, and God says, before, you know, you're standing at the gate, and I don't know, probably gate, I don't, I don't know, but to say you're standing there at the gate, and God says, Does, would anybody give any reason why this person should not enter the kingdom of heaven? Speak now, forever hold your peace. And silence. And you're standing there going, dude, I got a lot of reasons why I don't need to go to heaven. I said this, oh, middle school, dear Lord, let's don't forget about middle school. Oh, my God. Like, I mean, you're going through all the things like, and you're sitting there accusing yourself like, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even let myself in there. And no one says anything. And, I, and it reminded me of Romans 8, when it says this, who dare accuses us whom God has chosen for his own, right? God picked us up and positionally put us and adopted us into family. Now that we're part of the family, who dares accuse God's chosen children, no one, for God himself has given us right standing with him, not because you were good, but because of what Jesus did on the cross for you. And some of you right now, you're trying to earn your way to heaven. You're trying to be good. And you thought if I could just get into church very first Sunday, if I'd read my Bible, if I start giving, start tithing, start doing the right things, then I will get better and God will make me. Listen, listen, your works is not what makes you better. God is the one who sanctifies you. God is the one that allows you to continue to grow in your spiritual progress. All because of Christ. And God desires for his children to walk blameless in this world. Not perfect, none of us are gonna be perfect, but blameless until the day he comes back. And listen to me, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back to get his church. And when he comes back to get his church, a couple things will happen. One, our character will be revealed. Your true character will be revealed, but your perfection then will be completed. And that's only a promise, listen to me, for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who have put their faith and trust in him. Listen, spiritual growth can be very slow and it can be very discouraging, but listen to me, keep your head up. God wants to make you better. We're unfinished people and God is still working on us. We are still under construction. Now, verse 24, that was all introduction. I got three minutes to sum this up here. Watch it. Pray for me. First, let's do 23 all the way through so you can see this whole in the context. Now may the God of peace, he doesn't want to, your body's making war with you. God wants you to have peace. We'll talk about that in this series. We'll talk about anxiety. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. God's the one that does this. Your whole spirit, your whole soul, your whole body, the whole person of you, your completion of you. Be kept blameless, not perfect, blameless until Jesus comes back. God's grace will stay on his children because he cannot lie and his grace will cover you, even your sin. His grace abounds the more. Paul talks about this. And because of that, he's gonna keep us until Jesus Christ comes back. And then verse 24, here it is. God will make this happen. Now, what you have to choose, you believe that or not, because there's the promise. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. 
You see, our hope in this life and in the life to come rests on the faithfulness and the promises of God. It rests right here if you believe this is true or not, what God wants to do in you. Romans 8, 29 says this, for God foreknew, or he knew his people in advance. See, before, before God ever flung the stars into the universe, before he ever set the earth on his axis, do you know that he knew that you would be sitting right here today? He knew you. He knew every hair that you would have on your head. He knew every single cell that you would have in your body. He absolutely knew everything about you. Did you know that? He foreknew you. And look what it says. He foreknew his people in advance, and he chose them. Put that verse back up real quick. And he chose them. Now, leave it just for a moment. Your translation may say he predestined them. He chose them to become like his son. Now, look, he predestined. Now, what's predestined? Pre means beginning. Destined means a destination. Before the beginning, he already knew what your destination would be. Woo. Man, that's so good. That's another whole theological. Before the beginning, he already knew your destination. And what was your destination when you gave your life to his son, Jesus? That you would be conformed into the image of his son. I've already been predestined as a child of God that someday I won't be Christ, but I'll have the character and the likeness and the holiness and the perfection of Christ. Is that not crazy? He already predetermined that. Before the foundation of the world, and you're sitting there beating yourself up because you forgot to check off the bomb when you prayed today. Or if I try a little bit harder, listen, what he pre-started, his destiny will happen. You have a destination. And the promise is, will you claim it? Will you believe it? Now, knowing that God does that, how does that make me want to live for him? Now I don't have to read my Bible. Now I get to read my Bible. Now, come on, honey, get up. Let's go to church. Let's start the year off right. Got to get back into church. Now you don't have to come to church. You get to go to church. I don't have to pray. I get to pray and talk to the creator of the universe. You see how it flips the script? Because most people think if I do this, I'll get better, I'll get better, I'll get better, and then you don't get better and you quit doing it because you think you could do it in your own strength. It's God is the one that sets you apart. I love this. It says, he chose them, he predetermined them to do what? To become like Jesus. To become like him. You know, in the last part of the verse 24, it says that he, the one who calls you is faithful. That word call means kaleo. It means an effectual call. This is when God calls you to salvation. On September 2nd, 1997, God began to whisper my name and he drawed me to himself. He called me and I responded to the gospel. This morning, God is calling you by name or you wouldn't even be watching this or sitting here. He's calling you by name because he wants to make you like his son, Jesus. And you know what the promise is? You will become like him. You won't become a God. Whatever theology teaches, you're gonna become a God. False. But we will become like him. We've already been predestined to do that. Who? Every single person who's given their life to Jesus. And God cannot lie. He will make this happen. Not that he might make it happen. I might make you like Jesus. I could make you like Jesus. I may make you like Jesus. If I feel like it, or if you do your part, then I'll do it. Uh -uh, I will. Why? Because of my goodness? 
No, because of what my son did on the cross. I will. Not that I might. I will. And that is the promise of God. I want to close with this. You know, the great, late Billy Graham, one of our preacher's heroes, if you want to put it that way, one of the greatest evangelists of all times. Millions and millions of people put their faith in Christ and trust in Jesus because of his preaching. When he passed away at Charlotte, North Carolina, they buried him at the Billy Graham Library. And I read that the casket that he was buried in was made from prisoners. He made just a wooden casket, didn't want nothing fancy, didn't want nothing. Said, listen, ash to ash dust, I'm going back to the dust. And the prisoners in jail made his casket for him. They laid him right beside his wife, Ruth Graham. And on Billy Graham's tombstone, it says, a preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ. But right beside him is his wife's tombstone. And she was debating when before she passed away, what does she want to be put on her tombstone? Like, what should I put on my tombstone? And Billy Graham tells the story about where he was driving through this construction zone and they got to the end of the construction zone and the end of the construction zone basically said, the sign said, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. And Ruth looked over at Billy and she said, that's what I want on my tombstone. And if you go visit her grave today or you can Google and look for yourself, on her tombstone writes this, end of construction. Thank you for your patience. Folks, all of us are still under construction. And someday when I breathe my last breath, it'll be the end of construction for me. Thank you for your patience. You were patient to walk out the holiness, the sanctification process as God moved in your life. I have no idea what this year holds for you, but I do know that his promises are true. And here's his promise. You will get better. You're not there yet. We all still have flaws. We all still have a lot of rough edges, but he is still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And I wanna encourage you this morning, don't you give up, don't you quit. He's still working on you. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. My prayer this morning for you at our Grayson campus, here at our Moorhead campus, and if you're watching online, was this, that God will call you today. I know you're watching, you're starting the year out right, you wanna be in church, get to church, watch it. But I'm telling you, the Lord knew you'd be here before he ever flung the stars into the universe. And by you just being here, by you just watching this, by you just hearing this, listen to me. I believe that God is so sovereign. And the reason why you're here is because he's calling you. He's calling you to be part of the family. He's calling you because he wants to adopt you into his family. How does that happen? Very simple, for you to believe. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
You will be adopted, you will be saved and placed into the family. And that positional holiness I just talked about begins that process for you because now you're in the family of God. Who would neglect such a great salvation? Don't fight it. God brought you right here for you to hear this, that he loves you, he's got a purpose for you and a plan for your life. And that ultimate plan is to make you like his son, Jesus. All you have to do is believe and yield to him. And if that's you, you can cry out to the Lord right now to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, I'm gonna give my life to you. I repent of my sin and I put my faith and trust in you. And if that's you, just in a moment, host is gonna share with you how you can let us know. We just want you to let us know so we can celebrate with you. Get you some resources to help you begin to grow this year as you walk with Jesus. Father, thank you so much for your promises. Thank you so much that we're still standing and we will continue to stand because your church is built on your word, on your faithfulness. You're the one who said you will build your church. And so we stand on your promises. And I pray that this year as we set goals, we work on our external and internal as we try to get better, and there's nothing wrong for trying to get better, I pray that we will recognize and realize, God, it's you who makes us more like Christ. As we yield our hearts and our will to your will, for your will to be done in our life, you will make us more like your son, Jesus. Of course, in his name we ask and we pray. And everybody said, amen.